The following program is a part of the Movie Morgue Network. I've already been dead for such a very, very long time. But I've come back to bring you news of the most gruesome twosome ever produced. Welcome to Beauty, the Beast, and the Bees, a genre film podcast. This is a spoiler podcast. And now, your hosts, Tim S. Turner and Kelly Hogaboo. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Beauty, the Beast, and the Bees. For those who used to listen to us on our previous series, The Bitter Bastard Nerdcast, welcome. And for our new listeners, you're in for a treat. This month, we're a little late with the game here, but we're covering the epic to end all epics, Avengers Endgame. Then we'll be raiding disc- the discount bin at our local closed-down video store for Galaxy Quest and Beach Girls and the Monster. But before we get to all of that, please help me welcome back to the microphone my co-host and founder of the B-Movie BFF's website, the queen of screens and submarines herself, Kelly Hogamu. Hey, good afternoon, Tim. I, I love that name, by the way. Me too. My friend Kim like <laughs> dropped that on me the other day, and I'm like, I am going to use that, especially because, as you know, we've been watching a lot of submarine action movies lately. So yeah. I was like, yes. I was wondering where the submarines part came in, but you know. I I just realized, like, from Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, like right up to like Crimson Tide. You know, I, I just love submarine action films, and um, yeah, so it was it was perfect. Which is funny because submarines don't in themselves seem like they would. Would lend themselves to action oh my i totally disagree oh my gosh <laughs> no because the tension <laughs> the tension is there a hundred percent of the time because you're in a pressurized vessel about to be crushed by the ocean so i i just think it's the perfect it's like the original yeah. spaceship is a submarine yeah 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 you know, you know uh, uh liquid space yeah scary um, so Okay, so so first off, I, I don't know if I told you about this, and and it's not it's kind of, it's not really related to anything, but this is something I just I I, I thought I would like share with people because it, it it's something that's just been driving me nuts. So <clears throat> I, I live in this apartment, and it's right on uh, it faces it's, uh, this main street, and I, I go to work at um, four thirty in the morning, um, so <clears throat> you know. I get up in the morning, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I head out to the, the, the street, I'm walking to my car, and there's this guy out there smoking. And I'm like, okay, it's kind of weird at 4.30 in the morning, someone's out there smoking, okay. So I go to work, uh, I come home, I get home like around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I walk from my car to my door, there's that guy standing there smoking. Wow. 
And so I, I go in and, and, and uh, you know, and do some stuff, do some dishes, whatever. Oh, time to go to the grocery store. Walk out there. There's this guy out here smoking. It's the same guy. Okay, the same same damn guy. So <clears throat> the last couple of weeks, as Kelly knows, I've been doing this horrible shift where I have to be at work at 2 a.m. and I have to work like about like uh, 14, 16 hours, whatever. Uh, so two uh, two in the morning. Well, actually, no, it's like 1:45. I, I walk out there. And he's standing there smoking. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm starting to like feel like I'm in a droopy cartoon. Yeah, you're just going past the same. So it's like this guy. It's the same guy, smoking every time. Same outfit. I know where he lives. He lives in my complex. But it's like, is there a time he's not out there smoking? And I and I kind of say like same thing. Like one one in the morning. Morning. You know. Morning. He's, he's got a habit. He's he's probably unemployed. You know, that's all he's got going on. I guess. I mean, because then, like, I'll go I'll go upstairs, and I actually have had times where I'm like, I, I don't want to walk by this guy. I'm so tired. I don't like small talk. Okay, right. small talk drives me up the wall. And so I'm walking out, and and I, I or first I'm looking out my window, nobody there. I'm like, yes. Okay, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go to the, the store. I'm gonna do some errands. I go down the stairs. I turn the corner. He's standing there smoking. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, does this guy own stock in, in uh, R.J. Reynolds or? Yeah. Well, you know, he might he might not be around much longer at that rate. <laughs> well, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, it's like wow. this guy guy must smoke <laughs> like four packs a day. Oh. I mean, holy mackerel. Didn't you used to be a smoker? Oh, no, I've never smoked in my oh, life. Oh, well, I no. did. I smoked for 17 years. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, at the most, I probably smoked a pack and a half a day. But, um, you know, that's uh, I've, I've been quit now for six years. So Well, see, good um, for you because yeah, you figured yeah. that out. Well, it's hard, it's hard to quit. I mean, it is an addiction. But um, people smoke so much less than they do. Uh, than they used to. It's amazing. Uh, all of that sort of public service anti-cigarette stuff really made a difference. And um, you you probably heard about Stranger Things being criticized for right for the smoking. smoking. And I, and and I yeah. can see both sides of it. I really can because of course it's the 80s and it was appropriate for a lot of people to be smoking. There probably should have been yeah. more smoking in the film. But on the other hand, you know, taking it out of film and television really did reduce how much people smoke. It really did. So you know, it's kind of. I can see both sides of it, but I certainly don't. I'm not offended when I see a cigarette on screen, you know. <laughs> so. Yeah, me neither. I mean, I, 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 you know, I grew up with film noir and stuff. Yeah. And like, they smoke like <laughs> chimneys and yeah. those things. Yes. Um, but yeah, everybody in my family smoked except for me. Uh, um, and my mom actually quit like 30 years ago. So, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for that because yeah. like, she smoked a lot too. But <clears throat> I, it just it, it got to a point where it was like um, a, a bizarre like sketch from Saturday Night Live or something. No matter when I looked out the window, I looked both ways. He's not there. Wow. Then I go down the stairs, and he's there. He's like this stealth smoker who just shows up out of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, I almost yeah. want to like go, hey, dude, I will pay for you to get the patch. Right. Please go into your apartment and sit down. 
All, just because you have social awkwardness and you don't want to learn to talk to him. That's well, that's, that's, the, yeah, that's the problem. Okay. I do not okay. like small talk. I well, you don't have to. It. You just say good morning, you know, every day. That's all that's, you got to do. That's yeah. exactly what I do. Yeah. It's morning, afternoon. Right. How's it going? <laughs> hey, well, that's like, that's like me and my neighbors. Uh, I see them every day and I don't want to talk to them. And I just say, you know, good morning or hi, or just give them the white guy nod, you know, that's it. So the white guy nod. You, you know, the nod, you know, Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, so. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I do that to my own husband. <laughs> it's like, <"Sup?" laughs> yeah. So. I used to do that to my cat. Yeah. yeah oh. he, he, he kind of did the. The cats, because cats are really good at the the, the white guy. They nod. do. They put their head back and blink. They're great. Yeah, oh. they kind of look at you like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, what what have you been watching uh, since the last time we spoke? Oh my god, I was just thinking about that because my um, <clears throat> I lost my letterbox uh, login for about three weeks, and that's where I log everything that I watch, which is really handy. I don't know if you do that. Mm-mm. Um, but as pertains to this podcast, I have a couple of horror, um, uh, projects that I think were pretty great. Um, one of them is called the perfection. I'm actually uh, going to that Netflix. Yeah. It's a net Netflix. You know, for anyone who doesn't know this is listening at this point, if you're on Netflix, Netflix is only going to show you and recommend their own stuff. Um, they're in massive debt from all of the, quite frankly, amazing projects that they've put together. Um, and Netflix has done this great job. But um, at this point, like, that's all you're going to get recommended are Netflix movies and television. Yeah. You know, and that's that I find that a little bit annoying because I feel like I'm missing out on some other recommendations because they, they've always been great at recommending things I would like. But anyway, this is a 2019, you know, psychological horror film. Um, it, and it's, it's about a, um, a very rarefied cello school, like the best of the best of the best that has these young students that they sort of groom to be, you know, the best cello players in the world. And there's a horror sort of stalking story that develops. And, and, um, the film has a a bit of gore, uh, quite a bit actually, um, and it stars Allison Will- Williams and Logan Browning as the two leads. And those two women are so good in it. Um, the, you might remember, um, Allison Williams from Get Out. She was the white girlfriend. <laughs> right. And she's also on the, the series Girls on HBO. Okay. Which I haven't seen because yeah. I don't, yeah. So she, the, those two women are so good in it and it does have, it kind of has like a, almost like a Twilight Zone sort of not a very credible plot development. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, it yeah. strains it strains the, uh, you know, it's like a disbelief. However, it was really great, nice and creepy, highly recommend. I did, I did predict several plot twists, which I'm not the best at that. And I, I did predict the plot twist, but it still didn't ruin the film. So that that's a fun horror film. I, I had a good time with that. And then the other one I want to mention is actually a, a Netflix um series a 10-part series called chambers and um it's a teen horror with a supernatural um kind of bent and it's excellent it's i feel like it was 10 episodes and it really could have been pared down to like six if they really wanted to make the story (laughs) nice and sleek so it kind of meanders 
but it's it's just a, I I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It's um it's also the first Netflix project to star a native woman um who carries the whole thing. She's great. So uh, I think her name is Sivian Alia Rose, and um, she's great. It's nice and creepy. Uh, Uma Thurman and Tony Goldwyn have a couple roles in it too, but I just loved it. So it's also got some gore, some body horror, and that kind of a thing. But um, really great and kind of one of those shows that you, um, you know, you you can't help but binge. So I did I did binge it in about three sessions. And I also watched season two of The Sinner, which I liked a lot. Um, Bill right. Pullman, it, I love Bill Pullman in both. Uh, season one and season two. Uh, season two, I didn't like quite as much as season one, but I loved it, and I think they're gonna do a third. And I'm I'm right there. I love the sinner. So that's kind of. It sounds like all I watch is dark shit, but th- but that's true. <laughs> that's just me. So yeah, those are the things I've watched that are kind of relevant to our interests here. Well, first off, uh, from what I, I'll, I'll tell you, I just got back about an hour ago from seeing Hobbs and Shaw. I saw you were watching that. Did you? Uh, that looks fun. It is, um, okay, how, how do I put this? It is awful. And by oh. awful, I mean awesome. Oh, okay, yay. <laughs> <laughs> because it is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Nothing in it is in, remotely possible on any, I mean, we're going to be talking about Avengers Endgame, and that's more realistic. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> I mean, there is stuff in this movie. And people are looking at me like I'm an idiot because I was laughing, and they're thinking. I I think they thought I was laughing at the movie, and I'm like, no, 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 no. There's no way they intended this to be serious. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, so is it? Is it in the Fast and Furious canon? Like, is it or is okay? And so, what is this? The ninth Fast and Furious, Uh, or yeah, I think so. Because uh, I've thought of those films as being more serious, not and Hobbs and Shaw looked like it had a tone. It was like highly comedic. It's very comedic. Okay. Yeah, the entire it's kind of like a. Uh, I guess you would call it like an updated Lethal Weapon, where it's lots of action with lots of comedy, mm-hmm. and um, you know Dwayne Johnson, Jason Statham have this amazing chemistry in it. And I I would pay for ten more Hobbs and Shaw movies well, if they could be just as goofy and fun as this one. They're those men both have shown um, incredible comedic chops. So even yeah. though they're these muscly like badass, you know, hunks like that are in have been in sort of these serious, over the top, ridiculous action franchises. Um, Jason Statham in Spy. I was laughing every second he was on screen. He was so funny. And then I really liked him in The Meg last year, which was not a comedy per se, but it had some cute... I I really liked The Meg. Um, So when I saw Hobbs and Shaw and saw that The Rock or Dwayne Johnson and... I I mean, they're they're both funny. And and The Rock's done a lot of really funny projects. I mean, hilarious. I mean, I I watched him in that horrible one with Zac uh, Efron. What was that? Baywatch. So I'll yeah. I'll watch I'll watch Dwayne Johnson in almost any comedy. Um, he's great. So. Well, also you know let's not forget this this uh, feature is uh, the the uh, adored sex god of many uh, Idris Elba right as the villain. Oh, I didn't know he was the villain. I, I you know me, I know nothing, right? I don't even yeah. Watch you trailers. don't watch trailers, right. I know. 
Um, yeah, oh, he, cool. he's the bad guy cool. uh, who calls himself Black Superman. Like that's what he literally calls himself. Okay. Yes, in the tra- he's like I'm Black Superman. <laughs> nice. You know, because he's basically he's been genetically enhanced. Mm-hmm. By there's this you know oh. secret evil you know comp- company and they've given him a, a, a you know like a, a titanium spine. You know, it's like he's like his skin is 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 almost invincible, and he's got super strength and all this stuff. And so you get these these hyper real fights, three way fight scenes with the three main guys nice. that are just these bone crushing, impossible, you know, uh, uh, scenes. And uh, the the they show it in the in the trailer, but it's so it's not really giving anything away. But there's <laughs> at one point. <clears throat> He uh, Elba's taking off with um, Statham's sister as his hostage <clears throat> in this helicopter. So Statham's driving this truck, and and and, and um, Johnson's in the back, and he's got this big shank. This is a tow truck, and he throws it up there, and, and like you know, grabs onto the the helicopter, trying to pull the helicopter down. And the helicopter is more powerful, so it keeps lifting the truck off the ground. So they get all these other trucks, and they connect all the trucks by chains, and all. So they're all connected, going along this cliffside. And uh, you know, of course, the, the chain comes undone at one point. So Johnson's got to hold the chain by himself, hold a, a helicopter and four trucks. You know, so he can go like, right. You know, <laughs> Well, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. Did you get the sense that it was kind of it's it's I mean, that it's kind of making fun of those kinds of moments because we're seeing so much of that over the top, you know, beefy action stuff these yeah, days. O- yeah, honestly, it really does feel like um, almost it comes off almost like a parody. Right. That's what I'm wondering is. And there's that fine line between an homage and a parody, right? Where there's mm-hmm. like it's like a loving treatment, but it's you know three three degrees to the left type of thing. And yeah, well, I, I recommend it 100. percent It was well, you know, I would like so it. much. Yeah. Fun. Oh yeah, yeah. The whole time I was watching, I was, going, I, I was, I was like, Kelly's gonna love watching this yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, and I haven't. I think I've only watched the first two Fast and the Furious because they are serious and I'm and they're boring to me. You know, um, I'm sure. Well, there's... the later ones are not. Okay. Well, they're, right. they're very cartoony and over okay. the top. Well, and I, I know there's some great car work in them too. You know, I know that. It's just I haven't gotten around to them really. And uh, but yeah, I saw. I got the impression this one was had sort of a comedic element and I was a little more interested. So when I saw you were watching it this morning, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to get to that one for sure. <laughs> there was also, there's also a great kind of extended cameo in it that I won't ruin. That is a lot of fun oh, as well. Nice. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Um, I binged the new Amazon prime series, the boys. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is based on, uh, the comic book series, uh, which was uh, written by Garth Ennis. And wow, I thought they would soft pedal it for the show, but they really don't. Okay. I mean, I, I think maybe they kind of tone it from a 10 down to a nine. And um, it, it's because what it's about is this guy um, is kind of an average you know, guy. He works at uh, an electronics store. And <clears throat> one day when he's out with his girlfriend, um, his girlfriend's accidentally killed by this uh, superhero who's kind of like a Flash um, uh, avatar, basically. Um, and he basically runs right through her and she explodes. Oh. And 
and he just takes off and leaves. And so it basically makes this guy want to, you know, he wants to find this guy and kill him. And he gets uh, approached by this other dude played by uh, Carl Urban. Right. Uh, who's great in this. And um, he runs a, a, this little clandestine group that goes after superheroes that have gone off the grid or, you know, off the rails. And it turns out there's this kind of like a Justice League analog called the Seven. And they're actually, instead of being heroes, they're, they're really horrible, horrible people who do things like murder and stuff like that. And so the whole point of the show is them trying to take them down. And it is jaw-dropping, and it's, it's really well done. There's a lot of humor in it. There's a lot of gore in it. Uh, it's not for kids at all. Um, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I, I'm, I, I'm looking forward to the fact that they've already picked it up for a second season, so I, I'm stoked about that because that was really well done. Um, <clears throat> it's yeah. very dark. I feel like Amazon is going with a darker, um, but you know, with, with all of the stuff that I get sort of um, shown when I, you know, come into Amazon, it, they do have more adult themed, um, they've picked up a, several series like that. And I, I did kind of get little uh, glimpses of the boys and I definitely got that dark tone. Yeah. And it kind of reminded me of, of a little bit of the, uh, the setup for the mystery men. Um, which was such, which was not as dark, um, and was such a fun movie and it's such a great premise, right? That these, you know, superheroes are basically, you know, corrupt, right? Cause they can't, right. and, um, yeah, I, I, uh, so how many parts were in the boys? Like how long? Uh, it's eight episodes. And is it a standalone or does it look like they're going to do another? Well, yeah, they picked up another season for okay. it and it's, uh, cause I think the comic book ran about like 70 issues. And there's several story arcs, and I, I think that I could see this show going for like four seasons, maybe. Okay. Uh, if they're going to tell the whole story, and it, it's, I was very surprised because I, I kind of went into it. I was a little hesitant, uh, thinking it's like eh, I don't know if they're going to be able to pull this off because uh, like, are they going to soft pedal it and kind of tone it down? And no, they really don't. And. Um, yeah, so I mean, I recommend that. Uh, that's that was well done. And then I kind of went on a, <clears throat> a bit of a spending binge, and bought some Blu-rays. Uh, I got the Universal Classics Horror Collection Volume Two, which has um, let's see what's on that one: uh, Murders in the Zoo, Mad Doctor of Market Street, The Strange Case of Doctor Rx, and The Mad Ghoul, uh, three of which star Lionel Atwill, and those are a lot of fun. They're, they're, they're B movies. I mean, I'm not quite sure how Universal owns the rights to Murders in the Zoo because that's actually a Paramount film. Okay. Uh, from like 1933, but um, beautiful prints that uh, they really did a good job on, and I, I I I hope they keep these coming. Actually, I think the third one is coming in uh, December. So uh, I got that. I've got a couple of Hammer. Blu-rays. I got the Reptile and Plague of the Zombies, both of which just, uh, just are. I, I I have to say, there's a several companies that are doing these restorations for Blu-ray, and Shout Factory is one of them. Uh, Arrow, Synapse, um, 
uh, Criterion. There's a couple. They do just beautiful work, mm. and the the looks of these prints. They look brand new. Uh, so much fun. Uh, I got Alphaville, which was a, a Godard film, and uh, interesting black and white sci-fi melding of like sci-fi and film noir uh, with Eddie Constantine. Uh, that was wonderful, and. Uh, oh, and I I bought I bought us, which I know we we reviewed last time, and um, I watched it again with, uh, with my buddy um, in uh, San Diego, and uh, he really liked it too, which I was glad because I I really enjoyed it, and I, I I think you did as well. Oh, I I loved it, and um, it's definitely one you could watch uh, a few times. There's just so many great references. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was excellent. What was I? I was. I felt like Stranger Things three. Did you watch the third season? Uh, no, I I haven't yet. Have you watched the first two? Yes. Well, you know the the show is getting more and more comfortable, just kind of lifting wholesale from these beloved, you know, eighties um, films, music, television, and I, I love Stranger Things. I love all three seasons um, with some complaints for sure, but. I in watching the third season, I'm like, man, just the uh, after watching us with how many subtle and masterful references that Jordan Peele put into his film, Stranger mm. Things is much clumsier. It's it's just sort of dropping in these very obvious references. Yeah, it's and a little more heavy handed with it, it. Yeah, not just heavy handed, but just sort of like not super creative. Like like here's a guy that looks like you know the Terminator. Boop. We're just going to stick him in there. And <laughs> I loved it. Uh, like, I like Stranger Things. It's super fun. I'll, I'll be watching it um, if they have some more seasons. It's great. But I just, it sort of threw into contrast just how, I mean, Jordan Peele's, um, you know, just more subtle, more uh, more involved, more kind of, you know, entangled. And I just, I just really think Us was so, was so great about, even, even if the actual storyline or the plot wasn't, you know, it wasn't my favorite. The just all those references were so beautifully done, and um, definitely worth several rewatches. Yeah, I'm actually I'm looking forward to that. I just I haven't gotten around it because I've just been watching so much, <laughs> so much yeah. stuff, you know. And it's like I, I'm actually behind on things like uh, Agents of Shield and a couple other shows. So. Well, yeah, and like you say, you've been working a lot, and yeah. I also want to point out that one of my best, my favorite shows of all time, their second season is is just getting started, and that's The Terror, and mm-hmm. um, I am not going to watch any of it until all of the episodes are out, because I, I, I just know that I cannot wait week to week for that one. Because <laughs> so, you have no self-control. Not when it comes to that. <laughs> um, so I, I do know only the, only the very bare bones of what the second season's about, but I'm super excited about that. So what I've got to find out is when, when is it all out? Like, when is it all done? Because that'll be the day that I make up some popcorn and do nothing else but watch the terror. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I can I can relate to that because I literally watched uh, all eight hours of the boys in one yeah. day. Yeah, <laughs> it's so it's so different than it used to be, right? We were we were um, totally content to wait for a week at a time, and I'm not anymore. <laughs> Instant gratification society. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, folks, uh, we finally made it to the end. After 20 films, we've come to the bombastic conclusion of the first major story arc of the Marvel universe. 
Now that intergalactic terrorist Thanos has eliminated 50% of all life in the cosmos, our heroes are busy dealing with the fallout of losing friends, family, and society in general. But wait! Our savior has arrived in the form of Scott Lang, alias Ant-Man. After coming out of the quantum realm five years later with no time passing for him, the heroes realize that they can use the power of time travel to make things right. Needless to say, lots of stuff gets blown up, people get killed, and heroes by the truckload do their best to settle our villain's hash for all time. There's action galore and quite a few cheers shed as we crash on through to the conclusion of Avengers Endgame. Hey, Miss Ponce. If you find this recording, don't feel bad about this. Part of the journey is the end. Just for the record, being adrift in space with zero promise of rescue is more fun than it sounds. Food and water ran out four days ago. Oxygen will run out tomorrow morning. That'd be it. When I drift off, I will dream about you. It's always you. Thanos did exactly what he said he was going to do. He wiped out 50% of all living creatures. We lost, all of us. We lost friends, we lost family. We lost a part of ourselves. This is the fight of our lives. This is gonna work, Steve. I know it is, because I don't know what I'm going to do if it doesn't. Hi, uh, is anyone home? This is Scott Lang. We met a few years ago at the airport. In Germany, got job really big. Is this an old message? Ant-Man, Ant-Man, I know you know, I know you know that. It's the front door. That's me. Can you buzz me in? So Kelly, uh, I know it's been probably like a couple months, but it uh, has. <laughs> um, uh, how did you feel about Endgame? I it I actually have the plot pulled up here on my phone um, because I I cannot remember everything that happened. It was a pretty long film, right? Was yeah, it's it like three, three hours. hours? Long, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember enjoying it, and I enjoyed very specific bits and pieces of it. Um, but uh, yeah, I felt like I, I remember how much you enjoyed it, and so you know, if if you were if you comic book guy, if you were satisfied, it must have been pretty good. So yeah, it, it was. Uh, I remember having fun, but man, it feels like I watched it a long time ago. Yeah. So. <laughs> well. First of all, I I, I want to say it's like if it, I I look at um, Endgame and Infinity War really as one movie. Yeah, it's a, they're bookends, and 
it's for me as a comic book fan since I was four years old. It was everything I ever wanted in a, a film adaptation of a comic book. It you know it wasn't possible when I was a kid because the effects just weren't there. Right. And studios weren't going to spend that kind of money. Um, and and where else can you find? a series of films where you, you literally have the same actors coming back again and again and again and really developing these into characters. They're real people. You care about them. You make an emotional connection with them. You know, like, for instance, see, like Robert Downey Jr., he's literally played Tony Stark like nine times now. Oh, really? Wow. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whether it was a, a cameo appearance or a lead, because he's in all five Avengers movies. He's in the three Iron Man movies. Um, he has that cameo at the end of Incredible Hulk. He's in Civil War, right? So right there, you already have, that's 10 appearances. Wow. Actually, 10, yeah. And so when Marvel came up with this whole idea of a Marvel universe, they had a brilliant idea of, signing these actors to long-term deals. And by doing that, they ensured you're going to make that emotional connection. You're right. going to, because it's literally, it's been 11 years. Right. So the uh, only guy they switched out was like Don Cheadle and, um, right. yeah. So Terrence Howard. Just, yeah. Besides that, it's been all the same crew. Yeah. It's been this. Uh, That's pretty cool. You know, and, and well, also Edward Norton. Oh, okay. So is that that's part of the MCU? That's part of the MCU, okay, yes. Okay, yeah. Because um, they reference it in uh, in the Avengers. But somehow we're not including the Eric Bana Hulk? Like, yeah, that was kind of like a one-off Okay, gotcha. All thing. right, go on. But um, the fact that we've made this journey with these actors, these characters, and we've watched them you know, evolve and change – and come to this point, um, when, when you see these characters at the beginning of the movie, like the movie starts with Hawkeye with his family that we met in uh, Age of Ultron. And he turns his back and they're gone. Yeah. And it's gut-wrenching. I mean, his reaction, everybody has a different reaction. And his is to become basically a vigilante and just take out lots of, I, I, at one point, Yakuza. Um, you know, uh, Thor becomes overweight and suffering from depression. Uh, you know, Tony is finally, you know, he's rescued out in space. and um, Which, by the way, really good, subtle um, makeup on him yeah. and effects to make him look emaciated. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, they used some CGI there too, but yeah, he looked he looked all skinny and gross and Right, cuz he's, you know, he hasn't eaten in God knows how long, right? And uh, you know, he's finally put put his demons behind him and decided he's just going to make a life with Pepper and they have a child, uh, you know, on this nice rural little farm. And you know, everybody in And Black Widow's still trying to, you know, basically be an Avenger and help. Right. Out. Well she's yeah. the one who's holding the team such as it is together. Right. She's really in a lot of ways, more so than Captain America, she's really the real true core of that team holding it together. Right. Uh, you know, she's she's getting reports from Wakanda, she's talking to you know, to to Rocket, Raccoon, she's you know, like all these different characters. And 
Um, it's I, I really like the way they, they have – there's a whole section. And a lot of people, I mean, and we've both talked about this where it's like, yeah, the first hour or so, you can call it slow. But I think it was kind of important because a lot of it, it, what it deals with is loss. And the reality of what happened in Infinity War and now five years later, you see what has happened to these characters. Right. And the world in general. And it's uh, – it's so powerful, and there's a scene that I remember was being uh, as being uh, controversial. There's a scene where Steve Rogers goes to a crisis uh, group where he's uh, it's a bunch of people, and they're just talking about things that have happened since the the snap happened, and uh, and it's a great little scene. Did they need to have it in there? No, but I thought it added a lot to the, the, the fabric of what we're seeing, what's happened to the world, right? Well, and it also was there to establish kind of what how Steve was coping. Like, that was where he was finding meaning, was to, right. you know, go down and get in amongst the regular folk and try to help them with their emotional, you know, struggles, right? Right, and trying to have some semblance of a normal life for him. Right. And I remember there was... Um, there... In that scene, there's uh, actually one of the directors, one of the Russo brothers, I believe it's Joe Russo, uh, playing a gay man who's talking about uh, how he lost his partner. Mm -hmm. And I love that scene because the way you really see the humanity in Steve Rogers, he doesn't, he doesn't even, this is a guy, bear in mind, this is a guy who was born in the Depression, or at least, or probably in the 20s, right? And he doesn't even blink an eye that, that this is a gay man talking about his right. loss. This is just another human being who's lost someone special to them. And I, I really love that scene. I, I really liked it because, I mean, from the beginning, Captain America was always a, a difficult character to get across without it coming across as cheesy. They've always made the little jokes about him like, oh, watch your language or, you know, whatever. But he's very much like Superman in that he's almost too perfect. Right. Because he's like this wholesome, nice guy and everything. And in the case of I've always found Superman to be boring, you know, and that's coming from a comic book fan. I've always found him to be a dull character. Captain America, they took a character that had that potential to be boring and made him really interesting and layered and i like the fact that you see it's not just that he could have been born in the 20s he could have been born in the 60s it doesn't matter he's a good person yeah they did a good job with with that and part of that's chris evans who is yeah. you know charismatic and um you know gorgeous of course but also ha has that ability to be um funny um so you know they did do a good job with captain america i'm i'm not going to give marvel inclusivity points yet because that's 20 films and they have the most glancing reference to an lgbtq character however i do know we're going somewhere pretty cool with the new thor and with valkyrie on that front so um that's awesome but i i also feel like um you know they did do a good job with captain america who's not someone you know as you know i have no familiarity with the comic books but i've never i've always liked the idea of this sort of good guy boy scout superhero um, I've never found that particularly boring. I found it kind of what it's sort of meant to be, like aspirational and great. 
and you and I have talked about this with with how dark um, like DC went with Superman. Yes, I feel like that guy was never once like he just was like dark and conflicted and shitty like right from the beginning. And I'm like this, I'm not. This doesn't seem like Superman. So Captain America was great, and of course, you know Chris Hemsworth's Thor. I, I feel like the his his ability to do comedy probably influenced where they went with Thor quite a bit because with Ragnarok, yeah, yeah, because the original one and two Thor had like had a little bit of comedy, but they've really they've really sank their teeth into what he can do. Um, I did read a lot of people irritated or by his fat suit, um, and I, I get it actually. I mean, he's very funny, but it really was. Um, it was essentially just a fat joke, which they are, they're very rarely funny, and this one wasn't. But he was great in it. Um, the scene towards the end of the film where he and Quill are having that, um, who's the boss, who's in charge of the ship. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, that was funny. I mean, Chris Hemsworth is funny, and he did great in that. And, um, yeah, we had, gosh, so for me, and I've mentioned this before, when the snap happened, it didn't affect me because I knew we're just going to be bringing back 99% of those folks. And that's exactly what happened. And so for me, the emotional import of the snap was never there um, because I just knew they were coming back. Uh, when they would actually kill someone off, which I was surprised how few people they killed off in this film, in Endgame. I thought we were going <laughs> to kill off a lot more because what, I mean, obviously, spoiler podcast, right? We've by the end of this film, who did, who got killed off in Endgame besides Black Widow? Uh, well, Iron Man. Oh, Iron Man. <laughs> that's right. Anyone else? I I think that's it. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, well, no. I, let me rephrase that. Um, Nebula. One of the Nebulas. One, one, oh, no, one of the one of the uh, Nebulas. Yes. Which I get. love that she had more of a part in this. Yes, Karen Gillan is fantastic as Nebula. She really does a great job of being conflicted and you can see the evolution from uh, guardians of the galaxy Two to uh, infinity war to Endgame, where she really comes to realize that she does have this bond with Gamora. Yeah. As her sister. And I also think cause guardians had that comedic element from the beginning. Yeah. And that folded really well. Cause she, you know, Nebula is such a straight, she doesn't have a sense of humor. She doesn't right. have, you know, um, and that was really well done. And um, so the comedy was still there. I mean, I feel like Endgame balanced comedy and tragedy and action really well. Just, you know, they did a really great job with that. Well, that and the fact that when you've got a cast this large, yeah. to be able to really serve these each of these characters well, I mean, that's an achievement. Yeah. Because, I mean, Black Widow has her whole arc. And she, by the way, Scarlett Johansson, an actress who I think has sometimes gotten slammed as, as being kind of mediocre as an actress. I think she's fantastic in this. Yeah. I think she does a great job. Uh, I always liked her going all the way back to Ghost World. I thought she was wonderful in that. Um, she does a great job. I think Ruffalo do, has a lot of fun with the, the new Professor right. Hulk persona. Right. Which, again... The th one of the things I've always loved about what they did with Ruffalo as the Hulk is, for the first time ever, the Hulk actually looks like Banner. Uh-huh, right. He's got Banner's face. Because why wouldn't he, you know? And uh, I, I love that. I love where they went 
um, you know, bringing in uh, Ant Man coming out of the the quantum realm. I love Paul Rudd. Yeah, always, yeah. always have. You talk about great comic chops. He's charming. He's a lot of fun. Um, and, and then of course we get a lot of uh, you know cameos of characters yeah, yeah. we didn't expect to see. Like, like it was great to see know. Renee Russo again. You right. know, uh, Frigga. I think is who she. What her character's name is? Yeah, we. We, I right. don't think we. I don't think we got an Anthony Hopkins cameo, did we? Yeah, but we got a lot of cameos, which right. was cute. And we got yeah, we got like William Hurt again, um, and I loved at the end with the funeral at the end. We we got to see Jarvis from the Agent Carter series. Okay, yeah, right. Which was wonderful and unexpected. Um, Don't you ever wonder how much those cameos cost? You oh, know. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. But um, when you get to when you get to the end of this thing, you know, it was it, you really kind of had the mindset. At least I did. Who's going to be the one to take out Thanos? Now I know there's a lot of those people out there who had a little hissy fit that they were like, "Oh, he's going to be Captain Marvel. She's just going to come in with no history, and she's going to no, she didn't." I, I knew it was going to come down to either. Captain America or Iron Man. You mean getting killed? As, no, as far as like taking out Thanos. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Yes. And, well, and also, you know, you knew whoever took him out was going to make the sacrifice, right? That was kind of like where it was going. Somebody was going to end up dead. And um, I, I thought the, that the way they did it was masterful as far as um, – you know, there's that flashback to the first Avengers where there's the big argument between Steve and Tony where, he's, you know, Steve says, you're not the guy to take, make the big sacrifice. You're not going to jump on that grenade right. you know, to save other people. And so in the end, you know, he did. And it was honestly, it was a moment where it, when the theater I was in, everybody cheered. There were two moments, actually, where everybody cheered. I know the other one. And the other one, of course, was the one that Where made Captain the, got the hammer. Uh, well, that's kind of it goes along with this whole moment. Okay. Um, the eight-year-old in me, I honestly, I not only did I cheer and, and, and yelled "fuck yeah" in the theater, <laughs> and I had tears going down my face, was Captain America saying "Avengers assemble." Okay. Which is. From the comics, like every issue, Avengers Assemble is either on the cover or something with Cap yelling it out, you know, or whatever. And we've waited five damn Avengers movies. I see. For it to finally happen. And like all the nerds around me were like, yeah! You know, <laughs> like high five at each other and everything. And then, yeah, he gets the hammer, which was wonderful because, you know, and the fact that Thor was like, I knew it. You know, I mean, it was just such a great scene. Uh, I love this movie, and I, I after at this point, I almost don't even know where the hell they're going to go after oh, this. I mean, I know they're building out. up to another Avengers team, um, and we kind of kind of have an idea who those are going to be. Um, but really, the emotional weight of this film was so huge, and the the, the enormity of the cast and the scope. I just don't know how they're going to be able to top it. I and now now that I've gotten through all that, I'm going to say my one complaint with the film, and that is uh, at about the halfway mark, we have the fight scene between Hawkeye and Black Widow, 
over who is going to sacrifice themselves for the soul stone. Because you know that's the only way they can get it. Right. And it's really emotional. Um, and I knew it was going to be her. Because um, you knew that uh, Hawkeye has a family. Which is so gross. Like the whole, like, she's childless and she's got no right to her life. And Yes, but I think everyone knew that, where that was going. Yeah, I think if you looked at it, it was like, okay, well, he has a family and quote unquote, she has no nothing, right? Yeah, yeah. And so after that happens, and then at the end of the film, we get the big, um, wonderful, emotional, I mean, just... Tears going down your face. Oh, yeah. Funeral (laughs) for for Tony. You know, with the they they push out the little thing. You know, like out in the water, it says proof that Tony Stark has a heart and all that stuff. And you see all these characters there at his his service and everything. What about her service? Right, right. It's like, man, she was great. Anyway, yeah, so much for her. But Tony, (laughs) yeah, yeah, that's right. (laughs) I mean, mean, honestly, couldn't they have made it a duel? service uh i mean it it really i mean i forget i read an interview with the russo brothers and they said why they didn't have why they why they didn't honor her with the same kind of thing and i was just still kind of like bullshit you know yeah i just just don't buy it i i just i think that's just shitty you have the two of the main characters of this entire series and you don't give her a, a, a funeral right I mean, what? <laughs> I just don't, I don't get it. Well, it's I, it's sexism. Know. That's all there is to it, you know? So, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, still, it sounds like you were happy for the most part, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. I, it, like I said, I look at this in Infinity War as a 10 out of 10 bookended uh, saga. It, to me, you know, it's like you look at, like, say, the, like the three Lord of the Rings movies, you know, or the Star Wars things or whatever. To me, this is this is my series. Yeah. As a, as a kid, this is what I've waited, you know, 46 years to see. And uh, it just it was everything I, I could have wanted. Um, I, I left the theater absolutely drained in a good way. And it's it, like I said, it's a ten out of ten for me. It, it, no question. I'm I'm so glad you were happy because I remember a year ago, uh, just thinking, well, God, Tim is you know so into the Marvel, you know, source material, and is he going to be satisfied? How are they going to do it? And it sounds like they have basically satisfied you a hundred percent. Yes. Well, what would you what would you give it out of ten? Um, for an action film, I'm going to give it an eight again, like the emotional points that you find so satisfying and awesome didn't really hit with me, but it was fun. It was pretty long for me, uh, to sit through, but, um, like great characters and I I have to say, yeah, major props for them juggling all of those balls in the air. They've, they've done great with that. Yeah, I, I think it's when you, you, I think honestly, it's almost like I want them to give the Academy to give them a special Oscar just for the, the, the sheer achievement of the scope of it all and being able to actually pull it off as a cohesive narrative. Yeah. Because there's so many opportunities to absolutely blow it. Yeah. And yet they, and yet they managed to make you, 
you know, love these characters, care about these characters, and then in the end, you know, you know, and I think we kind of all knew that Tony was going to die, really, since you know, Downey's. Uh, you know, contract was up and he's already stayed, you know, like I'm in my fifties, I'm too old to be, you know, doing superhero stuff anymore. Um, but it's still, and that moment happened. It was just like, uh, you know, it was just devastating, but it was, but it was worth it. The whole thing was, was worth it. And I absolutely, I just, I love it. And I can't wait to buy it in two weeks when it's on Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was fun. And I, I am excited for the new Thor project, and I, I feel like yeah. they're off to a great, solid start. And I've always liked superhero movies, and I've watched some terrible ones to prove that. So, like, yeah. I, I'm there. So, yeah. Which, which, by the way, did you end up seeing Spider-Man uh, Far From Home? Not yet, no. Because it's a lot of fun. Oh, well, I'm, yeah. I mean, the first, I mean, Tom Holland's doing doing great in that role. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it, it literally picks up in the aftermath of Endgame. So there's references, you know, to Captain America and everybody in it. And uh, it's a constant, there's a constant reminder to that and the snap and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, but, it's, but it doesn't get bogged down with that. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, they've done, like we've talked about, they've done a good job kind of juggling that, that tone. They're very mindful about not having too dark of a film. Um, and so they've, they've put in... You know, I, I forgot to mention I did watch Deadpool 2, um, which I actually liked even more than the first one. Um, really? Yeah, I did. So, you know, uh, I mean, we've got, we've got kind of every kind of superhero and every kind of tone you would want. And, um, you know, we've got the R-rated stuff and the this, this little bit more family-friendly stuff. We've got, you know, Mar- Captain Marvel was just basically kind of an uplifting superhero film you know so we've got a lot of great options from um from the studio and yeah it's been it's been a it's been a fun ride and, oh and, and as always stay to the end of the credits yeah there's, which... there's two two uh credit scenes uh, and one well one mid-credit and one post-credit scene of course yes you gotta stay yes. for those as with all uh <laughs> marvel films also, same thing with Hobbs and Shaw. You got to stay to the very, very okay. end because there's like three different credit scenes too. Uh, now I'm drained. Yeah, well, you <laughs> you spent your uh, you spent your wad on the first film, Tim. You I gotta, think I did. You got to kind of slap yourself, have a have an energy shot. You know, let's go. Have a Red Bull or right. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, well, we'll be right back with our reviews of Galaxy Quest and the Beach Girls and the Monster. Pizza! 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 Everybody loves pizza, and we're now featuring the famous original Tolona pizza. Only the finest and purest ingredients go into the original Tolona pizza, made fresh to your order. And into the oven it goes. Presto, a luscious, hot, crispy pizza. We're now featuring... Hey, wait a minute. Give me another pizza. (laughs) That's better. Now, as I was saying... We now have delicious, crispy Tolona pizza at the refreshment stand. What do you have? Cheese, sausage, or pepperoni? Take it away! At our refreshment stand, your wish is our command. So the coffee we serve there is pure perfection. Want to learn more about horror directors? With a lighthearted look at three of their movies? Meet fearless podcaster Gore Blimey. I've been unsettled by bats in the past and startled by parrots, and I've even been known to jump at the odd cockatoo. Discover horror films that are classics, and others, too. 
There's a topless aerobics massacre, an exploding rock singer, cannibals, nude martial arts, a deep fried prostitute. But it's not all silliness. You'll get proper movie breakdowns, opinion, and background information too. Yep, in the 80s and 90s, Jeff Stryker was huge in gay porn. In every sense. So if you're a horror film fan, come and check out the Trilogy of Terror podcast at strangeanddeadly.com or find it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or on your podcatcher. One of those people that has a certain charisma and a certain style, and I'm just hoping one day he'll rub off on me. The Trilogy of Terror podcast, where we try three times harder to give you the willies. Welcome back to Beauty, the Beast, and the Bees. And for our next film, Peter Quincy Taggart, the commander of the NSEA Protector, is commandeered to assist a gentle alien race in their persecution from reptilian alien baddie, Saris. The only problem? Taggart is actually a bloated, washed-up actor named Jason Nesmith, a Shatner-esque thespian who energetically hams it up at sci-fi cons and superstore ribbon cuttings, dragging his erstwhile Galaxy Quest co-actors along with him. Through a series of galactic mix-ups, Jason and his crew are hijacked to assist the persecuted alien race, the Thermians, who are too naive and gentle to defend themselves from a ruthless warlord. Can the crew overcome their ego-maniacal self-importance and shallowness, not to mention their bumbling incompetence, and save the day? Join us on our epic, star-studded galaxy quest. In the far reaches of the galaxy, a civilization is under siege. We are all that is left. They've searched the universe for a leader. Stay tuned for scenes from next week's Galaxy Quest. Never give up. Never surrender. You will save us. What they got. Never give up. And never surrender. We're struggling TV actors. You are our last hope. Where's my limo? Okie dokie. And they're about to put on a command performance. Eight million light years away. We are actors, not astronauts. You are our protectors. That was a hell of a thing. Now... Laredo, take us out. You gotta move to the right. Would you sit your ass down? You wanna drive this to... Acting like heroes. <laughs> the whole thing was just a misunderstanding. May not be enough. They look like little children. Hi, little guy. Oh, man. DreamWorks Pictures presents... Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman, Galaxy Quest. You're just gonna have to kill him. We'll go for the mouth, the throw, his vulnerable spots. It's a rocket, it doesn't have any vulnerable spots. Such a fun film. How many times have you seen it? I think you're going to be surprised to hear twice. Okay, no, I'm not surprised. I've only seen it. This was I rewatched it last night, and it was my probably my third or fourth time. And um, I I think I like it more every time I watch it. Um, and it, I almost didn't see it in the first place. It you know it doesn't have a compelling looking poster. You know it's kind of it kind of flew under the radar. 
although the people that have seen it seem to love it. Oh, yeah. I, I think the thing that happened with Galaxy Quest was finally Star Trek fans got um, a respectful spoof yeah. that, you know, that they felt was, wow, this actually, the people who wrote this and made this film really, quote unquote, get Star Trek and their fans. But at the same time, they also understand that, you know, like there's like the whole, you know, the, the, the Comic-Con thing where it's like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to sign your picture, right. and, you know, take a selfie with you, you know, that whole thing. And um, first of all, let's talk about the cast, um, yeah. an amazing cast. You know, I mean, like, obviously you got Tim Allen, uh, Sigourney Weaver, who, by the way, I just love the name Tawny Man. I know, right? I love that. <laughs> That, the names that they of their characters are just like three degrees further than they would have been, right? Because you've got like Dr. Lazarus, you know, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, well, Tawny Madison. Tawny Madison, it literally, like I watched Days of Our Lives and that literally sounds like a character. Exactly. And she's got the blonde wig and the cleavage, which... Of course. Yeah, no, she was great, yeah. Um, you know, we've we got the late Alan Rickman, who's just absolutely delightful, and I, just, I, and I will always love his voice. Oh, yeah. What a, what a wonderfully rich voice. There's so yes, much he yeah. can do, and he has great comic chops, like we were saying with some of the other actors. Uh, Tony Shalhoub from Monk, who I just, I love him. Uh, Sam Rockwell, uh, Daryl Mitchell, uh, Enrico Colatani from Veronica Mars. Yeah. Veronica's dad, yeah. who is still, like, in my opinion, like the best dad character in the history of television. Right. I he's, love him. And he's almost unrecognizable in this film. Like, he's yeah. got the makeup and the, the mannerisms that are so, you know, funny. And, yeah. And I, this is one I know you probably won't get, but um, I love Robin Sachs, uh, who's, you know, Saris. Uh, the leader of the, the you know, the, 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 the reptile people. Uh, he played Ethan Rain on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Right. He was such a great villain on Buffy the Vampire Slayer because he had that that snide, sophisticated kind of like that uh, snotty British right. thing about him. But at the same time, there was also that that kind of tongue in cheek humor there too. And so I loved seeing him in this because I had completely forgotten that he was in it. Right. And I, I, I'm not familiar. I've seen him, and I've probably seen him in something here or there, but um, I wasn't super familiar with him, and I had to kind of look up his work when I rewatched Galaxy Quest, yeah. Well, and, of course, you know, first movie for Justin Long as well. Yeah, he looks like he's 12. Yeah, he looks like a little kid. Yeah. Which he probably is. Right. Um, and Missy Pyle, who is Missy just Pyle, so yeah. much fun in this. Yeah. Really, uh, honestly, I almost feel like when they, they – cast the characters and almost like that wrote ha that that took care of like half the writing just just the casting alone of the characters um was so genius and, and and they did such a great job of being like having this kind of like uh you know we gotta uh, like you know in, in uh, tim <laughs> allen's case i gotta go to another supermarket opening right you know, well, that. yeah, the, the, there's so much that's great about this film. I mean, I, I watched it again last night and my, um, my teenager and his boyfriend were there and I'm like, gosh, the pacing is really well done. I mean, I feel like the finale gets a little cliche and not, not that compelling, but you know, the first four fifths of the film, the pacing, uh, leads you right through the story. We've got 
not only a very competent and funny cast, but a very likable series of characters. Like even as sort of sarcastic and put upon as, you know, about half of them are. Because <laughs> Tim Allen is a ham and he's a hack, but he's pretty enthusiastic. He likes the fame. He likes the attention, right? Um, yeah, he's the Shatner. Right, right. <laughs> Whereas, like, Alan Rickman is just constantly whinging and bitching. And uh, Sigourney <laughs> Weaver is kind of the more pragmatic, uh, practical I just love the scene to the beginning where Tim Allen's character goes up to, to hit on her and she says, it was cute when I didn't know you. <laughs> I'm like, damn, like she's just like, shoot. But Drop she's, the mic. yep, she just cuts him cold. And Tony Shalhoub has got this kind of like mellow stoner, you know, ski bum energy. And, and if this was the first film I saw Sam Rockwell in. Oh, really? Yes. And I mean, he came out of nowhere like you're not even kind of paying attention i mean now you would because everyone knows who sam rockwell is but when i first saw it i'm not really paying much attention to him and then he kind of gets dragged along and then the minute things get like scary he is just completely like out of his mind scared for his skin because he knows he's a red shirt character yeah he's a red shirt <laughs> And he's just, you know, nobody knows my last name. Like, I know I'm not going to live through the mission, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I do have to say, I love that, like, at the end that he gets rewarded with a, an actual character. Right. And he walks <laughs> Rock in. Rock Ingersoll. Does, yeah, Rock Ingersoll. And he does the finger guns. And, so, yeah, for the, this is my first, like, <laughs> Sam Rockwell. And I'm like, who is this man? Like, oh, my God. I think I saw him in, wasn't he in a Charlie's Angels film? Yes, or, he was the yeah. villain in the, the second yeah. Charlie's Angels. And I think so. I would have saw that right after so that he's been on my map ever since because just... well he you know uh, my friend michelle went to high school with him oh, right and wow. so like every time like you know like when he won his oscar you know she takes all, like credit for it right i knew him <laughs> right i knew him right okay <laughs> yeah. he liked my tweet once so you know yeah um yeah so you've got a really likable cast and a funny cast and a competent cast and also, it's just, it's got that whole heroic story arc, right? Because in the beginning of the film, the crew, they kind of have their different motives. They're definitely not a team. They definitely don't like each other that much. And they definitely don't have, none of them have much of a life. And, you know, I mean, it's, a, it's kind of a corny family film, but they all, you know, come together and learn how to uh, care about something, which is this... The alien race in this was so well done, the Thermians, because they're obviously intelligent and advanced enough to create all this technology based on what they think they saw in this television program. But they have no, they're completely naive, right? They have no concept of war and colonization, and they are just completely out of their element when they get attacked by this um, evil reptilian, you know, bad guy. And um, that was just... Very sweet, very well done. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I think it, it is one of those things. Like you know, there's been lots of movies that have like made fun of like Star Wars, or Star Trek, and uh, various sci-fi series and stuff. And I, this is the one that I always noticed that Trekkies just seem to like. Well, because it's not disrespectful, or I didn't think exactly. it was. And I also felt like it, even if like my kids don't have that much of a Star Trek background, um, but. 
almost all Americans and probably most, you know, um, British citizens. And we, we know what Star Trek is. We kind of know what it looks like. You know what I mean? And so even if yeah. you're not a Star Trek fan, I feel like this film is pretty enjoyable. Yeah, I, I think they, they, they really made the wise choice to make it where you don't, like you're saying, you don't have to be a fan to, to get it. Right. You know, because they're so ingrained in uh, our pop culture that you can't help but not know, you know, Star Wars and Star Trek, you know, like the different, like everybody knows who, you know, the whole, you know, con, right. even if they've never seen the damn right, thing. Right, right. Right. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I'll tell you, I give this, uh, I gave it an eight, like a solid eight. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm definitely a nine. I just feel like besides the last little bit of the ending, it's just kind of perfectly done. It still holds up. The special effects um, are this kind of charming mix of practical and and CG. And for 1999, uh, the CG is is looking okay today. And you know, CG usually yeah. ages quite. Uh, but just a very lovable, um, fun, totally family-friendly, and uh, great little um, homage, you know, sci-fi comedy. Loved it. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, it, it. you don't seem to hear it, like a lot of people talk about it, though, very mm -hmm. much. But I, I, I think that it's if you're a sci-fi fan at all, it's, it's worth checking out because it, it, it's really uh, just a fun time. Yeah, it's funny because it's, People don't talk about it, but it has like a 95 on Rotten Tomatoes or, you know, so it's right. it, when you do dig into it, it's it's pretty fun. And um, yeah, of course, you miss, you know, you I mean, everyone when I post about last night on Facebook, everyone was like, oh, we miss Alan Rickman. You know, he he was such a great he was a good actor, but he also had a lot of really over the top roles that were super fun. And and I love that he has the he has that like skull cap on for the whole film. Yes, like, considering how much he supposedly hates that role, right? Like yeah. he doesn't take it off. And then you've got like Tim Allen who has his shirt pulled off at one point, and you know Alan Rickman has to say, "Oh, I managed you managed to get your shirt off." I see, right? Because Shatner yeah. was always somehow. Oh, yeah showing his beefy ca Canadian. And, you know, <laughs> I got to say, I mean, I know we already rated the film. Tim Allen, who I seems like kind of a dick in real life, yeah. he nailed that role. He is perfect. You wouldn't want anyone different in that role. It was just, he was great. Yeah, I, yeah, he, he really, it, it did kind of fit his persona, actually, pretty well. Right, maybe, I, I, maybe that's who he is, right? Yeah. Uh, as for Alan Rickman, I mean, nobody gave the look of withering disdain like Alan Rickman. <laughs> right. And he does it so great in, in, in Galaxy Quest. Right. <laughs> Always uh. bitching about his former stage career. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> cares. Yeah. Uh, well, let's be honest here. If you had a choice between being a sexy oceanographer and being a dirty, dirty beach bum, which would you choose? <laughs> well, in Richard Lindsay's case, it's being a dirty, dirty beach bum. But what if I told you that his beach was being stalked by a giant bug-eyed seaweed-covered horny sea monster? Oceanography doesn't sound so bad now, does it? Well, Richard now has to choose between working with his father Otto and dancing his ass off at the local costume party. As the bodies pile up, the kids keep on dancing, thrusting their pelvises at the camera in a constant frenzy to the hip stylings of Frank Sinatra Jr., Nothing can stop the twist, and nothing can keep you from enjoying the Beach Girls and the Monster. 
dance, baby, dance, come and dance with me. Hear the beat of the mountain sea. Ride, baby, ride, come and ride with me. Let your feet go easy and easy. What do you make of this? Where does the other end go? It dumps into the ocean. It looks exactly like the South American Fantigua fish. I hope you can take one alive, Sheriff. I still believe that a human clawed that girl to death. The Beach Girls and the Monster. Starring John Hall, Sue Casey, and the glamorous Watusi dancing girls from Hollywood's famed Whiskey-A-Go-Go -Go nightclub. Music by Frank Sinatra, Jr. You got a monster in the turf. Chicks, do you have a problem? You won't have after you meet the monster on the beach. If you see this ghoul, play it cool. Beauties in bikinis, laughing, singing, surfing, sinning. Beach party lovers making hey hey in the moonlight while the monster waits and watches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one will kill you. So, okay, I'll be honest with you. The, when I picked this for the show, I hadn't seen it yet. Um, I, I was scrolling through Amazon Prime, and it popped up, and I thought, this looks terrible. I'm going to torture Kelly with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course you thought that. And then I watched it, and I was thoroughly entertained. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn it, this is actually fun. <laughs> uh i had literally the same experience like i've seen clips and i've seen the poster and yeah. i hadn't bothered because honestly to me it looked like horror at party beach yes. which i would i've watched that several times because it's a great mystery science theater episode it's exactly. it's a really stinky film um and I, so you know i just thought it was i mean horror at party beach is is plotting it's it's got a real weird like it kills a lot of teenage girls um you know it's got that whole nastiness to it it's it's got a stupid monster although i have to say my my kid loves the horror party beach monster look <laughs> with the hot dogs in his mouth, hot dog mouth <laughs> yeah. yeah but i've watched it be, because it's such a great mystery science theater so i wasn't in a hurry to watch beach girls and the monster so you uh you told me i had to watch it and i'm like okay it's an hour hour and six minutes i can sit through anything <laughs> And you know what? It is such a better film than Horror at Party Beach. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's not a good film. Nobody here is saying that. No, it, <laughs> it's not the Magnificent Ambersons. But, you know, it, it. first of all, it's not too long. It's just a little over an hour. And it, it has, I think we, we discussed this before we went on, the music in it is fantastic. Yes. It's, it's awesome beach music. Uh, a lot of, you know, like uh, Jan and Dean kind of, you know, <laughs> guitar riffing uh, stuff. And I I made fun of Frank Sinatra Jr. in my little intro. But I'm sorry, the song Dance Baby Dance at the beginning is fucking great. Right, right. It's a fun song. And, you know, every time, like, things start getting a little slow, it's back to the beach for a bunch of like you know good-looking women in, in bikinis dancing around and, and like uh, there must be more 
crotch thrusting at the camera than than like in like a Joel Schumacher Batman film. Um, and and then you know you've got this. The, we talked about how incredibly stupid the creature in Horror Party Beach looked. This one is really silly looking too. Yeah, I mean this monster is basically a ghillie suit ish body. Um, something I could probably put together in an afternoon. And then a blatant ripoff of Millicent Patrick's wonderful creature from the Black Lagoon, which is such yeah. an iconic and amazing, I mean, probably the best, um, you know, B-movie monster out there is probably her, her creature. And um, this is a total ripoff of that. Um, and it's actually kind of a cool mask, actually, because it's like a simplified, you know, cartoon version of, of Black Lagoon. But yeah, um, no articulation whatsoever. Yeah, and just of the face. Yeah, no. The and I, you know, I've made a, a couple. Um, I've fabricated a couple creature uh, masks, so I'm kind of familiar with all the bits and bobs. But I actually kind of like Beach Girls and the Monsters um, simplified version. But yeah, it's a total ripoff. Um, and yeah, he can't talk. He just kind of wiggles his face. And but yeah. I have to say, okay, the plot, the plot yes. is so great. It's like. You've got this supposedly teenager. Um, I yeah. don't know how old the actor was. And, of course, he's got a little girlfriend and all that. But he's mostly... The film is obsessed with how mean and slutty Vicky is. So Vicky, yes. Vicky, Vicky is... Vicky is his stepmom. Yes. So she's married to John Hall, who is the lead slash director of the film. So she's quite, yeah. she's a bit younger than him, but she's married to him. But she's just mean and slutty. And the film is obsessed with that. Like, the son, the stepson is obsessed with her. And the art, I love the artist that's living with them who has the tragic backstory of having a slight limp. Yes. <laughs> so, so yes. A, and he is obsessed with her. And the husband, so, you know, you know that this film is mostly sort of about her, this, you know, evil femme fatale getting her comeuppance, getting killed by a monster. But... Um, she, Sue Casey, who did a lot of, a lot of work, uh, she is great in this. Like she is worth watching in the film. She's a better actress than the film deserves. And I also, yeah, she, she's the Judy of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she can't she, say the F word, but she's got that hostility for sure. Oh yeah. She's a great bitch. Yeah. She really hams it up, and, and I mean that in a good way. And I feel like the Walker Edmondson who plays, uh, I think it's Mark, the sculptor. Yes. Um, he was, he kind of brought the same kind of quality of acting. I'm, and I'm not saying that Sue Casey and Walker Edmondson are great actors. I'm just saying they're better actors than this project seemed to merit. Um, yeah. Because John Hall doesn't bring much, and um, neither does, I don't even know the name of the teenage, or is it Arnold Lessing? Arnold Lessing, yeah. yes. Um, and Elaine DuPont, I think, plays his girlfriend. And um, but oh, by the way, does she or does she not look like Marianne from Gilligan's Island? Well, she has that cachet for sure. There were so many cute bikinis in this. Like you know, as you know, I've been sewing a lot of bathing suits. Yes, and um, a lot of really cute bikinis. I was definitely like checking those out. And um, yeah, the the plot is as cheesy as it is. It kind of moves at a. It's, it moves at a pretty good pace. It's, be, it's like I said, it's better than other beach monster films. It really is, you know? Well, you know, the thing that I, 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 I got to say that, that, that stands out about this movie that I, I just loved, it, it, it's, you, you go into it, right? You're going, okay, I'm going to get uh, beach music, uh, dancing beach bunnies, and I'm going to get a, 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 you know, a sea monster, right? 
and you get those things, but what it really is, it's a murder mystery. Yeah, it's a Scooby-Doo episode. It's a Scooby-Doo episode yeah. through and through. Because right. you literally get the unmasking. It's like, you! Yeah. You know, yeah. it turns out it's not really a monster. Which, it's actually Dr. Lindsay, the, the, uh, Richard's dad. Which was a surprise, right? I expected it to be a real monster I, the whole time. I thought, so did I. Yeah, yeah. Until it, like, it's like he finds the head. Right. Which, by the way... Great thinking ahead to to have a spare head. Well, and who who made the head? Because <laughs> who made it? Yeah, yeah. Did, did you have a fabricator make it? I mean, did they have those back then? Yeah, I mean, so this, anywhere other than a studio. <laughs> you know what's interesting is the guy who played Mark, the actor. He actually did do the sculptures in the film. I don't know oh, about really? the I don't know about the monster head, but the mermaid sculpture and then the Sue Casey clay sculpture he did he made them and oh, he, well, he he made that lion puppet too yeah 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 because he used to host a kid's show yeah yeah so he had some talent there which i thought was totally adorable um but yeah no the i i couldn't think of another sort of 50s 60s monster film where it wasn't a monster like mo usually yeah. it actually is a monster and so you i'm kind of we're all kind of sitting there knowing it's a monster and then boom it's it's actually you know john hall so that was pretty well, cool it, honestly watching this it makes you wonder did hannah barbera watch this <laughs> right when they came up with scooby-doo because right. it is scooby-doo 100 percent right, 100%. right. <laughs> and there's even a giant dog in it yeah there's a big uh, you know like uh what is it a mastiff uh, yeah, I don't know. My dog breeds, but I mean, it's like a Scooby Doo dog. Yeah, and so I, it's like, holy crap! I, you know, you you needed to have, you know, like you know, Velma there and, and and you know, Jinkies. Yeah, because there wasn't really the gang, right? There wasn't like a gang of kids solving the the mystery. It was... No, you just you had Richard and his girlfriend, and then right. like the ancillary. Like the one the girl that gets killed at the beginning's name's Bunny. Bunny, yes. Which I love that name. I have to tell um, you, I would have loved to have watched this with my mom because she would have been 16 when this came out. Oh. She lived in Huntington Beach, California, and she was literally in a girl band, a surf, surf rock band called Michelle and the Mademoiselles. Oh, that's and awesome. So, so she would have had a lot of uh, comments. I mean, I might watch it with her someday because it's only an hour and six minutes of putting her through it. But um, yeah. she would have had a lot of memories because, you know, Jan and Dean were just, you know, ripping off the Beach Boys, right? There was so right. much of that. And, um, you know, the locations. I mean, it was filmed in the producer's friend's house. They had that great house in, I don't know, Riverside or whatever that they, I mean, half the film was about that house. And, and Ralph was laughing because he was listening in and he, was hearing this that sexy sultry music and yeah. and I said, well, all that's happening is she's walking, she's walking suggestively through her house, like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's kind of like that Jalla with the woman walking naked through the house for oh, however. The delightful strip nude strip, for your strip killer. Nude for killer. That's our our title. That's our flagship film for this show. Is strip nude. It, it is. But um. <laughs> Yeah, but this, this this film being 1965, it couldn't, you know, it had to be more. It couldn't show, you know, full frontal nudity or anything. But that's the, I know I know it's 1965, but it sure feels like 55. It sure to me. did. It really <laughs> felt like an older uh especially it's you know, it's in black and white. I mean, apparently there's a print where some of it's in color like those surfboards they those surfboards, what were those? 20 feet long? Yeah. Surfboards were huge. huge. Yeah, apparently there's a version where they've um they've got some of it in color, but I have to say this film is so great and it's short and it's got great music and it's got this soap opera corny ass plot. Yeah. And I just feel like it's 
I would have watched it a long time ago if I would have had any idea it's as good as it is. Uh, and, you know, we discussed this before we went on the air. I, I really, I, I, I want to go out and I want to find this soundtrack yeah. and yeah. see if it's available anywhere because it's great. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I guess I would give this film probably, I would give it like a six. Um, cause I mean, it's not like it's a well-made film <laughs> per se, but the music's fun. The, the, the attitude of the film is fun. And it, 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 like I said, it's, it's a, um, a proto Scooby-Doo yeah. basically. And, uh, I, I just, I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. I would say if you have any interest whatsoever in, in monster, you know, B movies, you've got to watch it. It's, um, it's better than you might think. And, um, I'm going to give it a seven just because, uh, you know, this is my kind of guilty pleasure type of film. Um, but you know, it's so funny cause it's like anyone listening to our show would like to watch it. But if you're just talking to your average person, they would be like, this is garbage, you know, but it's no super fun. Yeah. Um, so I'm really glad. I think it's great. We both had our first time, uh, you know, um, you and I have watched a couple films with Derek from Monster Kid Radio when he does mm -hmm. a watch party, and we've got to pimp this one to him because I think because um, he's got such a surf rock uh, background. Oh yeah, too, so he would. Yeah, he's we, big into that kind of music, and I think that he's. It, there's no way he hasn't seen this. Yeah, and I just think because I think when we've watched films, it's been like you know six or eight of us or whatever. It's been a lot of fun. So, and I, you know, I, I got to say, I mean, before we uh, wrap this up. Um, the, the the director and star um, John Hall, um, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily know who he is, but he he basically starred in a lot of uh, exotic kind of movies for Universal with Maria Montez mm -hmm. in the in the forties, you know, like uh, Alibaba and the Forty Thieves, uh, White Savage, Arabian Nights, stuff like that. And uh, for you, you got to watch with with uh, with Derek uh, Invisible Agent, yeah, Invisible Agent. And also, he he was a villain in Invisible Man's Revenge, right. where he's an evil character. But uh, he did all that stuff, and then he you know he starred in the Raymar of the Jungle series uh, in the early fifties. So, and this was actually his last role. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, I was kind of like I've only seen him in Invisible Agent, and you know maybe something else that I forgot, and I. I was a little surprised, like, his acting in this film was not solid at all. It was, I was sort of surprised, because I, I know he's ex an experienced actor, for sure. Yeah. So I was kind of surprised by that. But, again, you know, Sue Casey, she does it for me, for sure. So <laughs> so thank you. This one was great. Yeah, I, I, I was surprised, you know. It, uh, it, it uh, sort of blew up in my face, but in a good way. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, good for you for taking a risk. Um, Sometimes I say it's it's easier to recommend a movie when you haven't seen it because someone can't blame you and say why why would you have shown me that movie knowing what it was like? But of course <laughs> you're happy to completely torture me with with the movies you pick. So uh, I have no idea what you're referring to, mm -hmm. and I don't have an entire list of Jalos that right. you can absolutely. You've got know. we're gonna go down your list. I'm <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Okay, well, that's it for the first episode of Beauty, the Beast, and the Bees. We'd like you to contact the show. Uh, you can email us at uh, moviemorg1 at att.net. 
and check out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts and join the madness. And I believe uh, Kelly has the uh, the website. It's gonna yes. will that be ready to go? Yes, should be ready to go. It's bbnbs.net. So Beauty and the Beast and the Bees. So bbnbs.net. And yeah, Tim and I are kind of working on shifting with the name change and getting all of our Twitter tagging and our uh, you know podcast tags all in a row. But yeah, we're easy to get a hold of, and we absolutely love feedback. That's not Yay. just Tim's mom, which we love Tim's yeah. mom's feedback. <laughs> Tim's like, we got a fan letter. I'm like, yes, and it's his mom. Even yeah. hey, Tim, my mom doesn't even listen to the show, so. Well, how dare she? So, do we are we each doing uh, two picks for the next time? Uh, well, we got we're gonna uh, come up with the our uh, our lead film, and then we're each gonna pick a video pick. Okay. And uh, so please rate and subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes so we can get the word out there. Uh, next time we'll be covering three more films for your listening pleasure. And remember, with great power comes great responsibility. See you next time. All right. Ride, baby, ride, come and ride with me. Let your feet go easy and free. Ride, baby, glide right into my arms. Like the way it's coming to the shore. Side, baby, side, let me hear you side. That's what I'm waiting for. Come on, they're playing our rhythm. Let's keep a bad beat with them. We'll move our feet with them. Ain't no noise to surfers. Kiss, baby, kiss just one more time. Put your lips on for tonight. Dance, baby, dance to the surfers. Dance, we're moving this fine. Miles, I feel so horny.